Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Uniform Catholic. And this is going to be the readings for Sunday, um, third week of Lent. Uh, it's going to be uh, for Sunday, March 12th, 2023. So, um, sorry that I haven't been able to keep up. I've uh, been very busy lately, and... Um, it's, uh, it gets kind of hard, I mean, when your schedule kind of interrupts with everything, and uh, I'm not going to do any of these things uh, exhausted, uh, or else I'm not going to be giving you a good recording. All right, so uh, let's open up with uh, an act of contrition, okay? In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in thought, word, and deed, through my faults, through my faults, through my most grievous faults. Therefore, I ask Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, and all the angels and saints, as well as you, my brothers and sisters, to join me and pray with me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy. Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. All right, so... I'm going to use the Magnificat today. I'm going to use the... Um, we're going to start with the morning prayer here. For um, You can use this. It doesn't have to be Sunday. I know it's going to be late coming out, but let's start. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The fountains of eternal life leaps up within the faithful. At prayer, let us drink after the living water. All right, one more time. The fountain of eternal life leaps up within the faithful at prayer. Let us drink of the living water. Glory to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. And here's a, a little hymn. Come thou found fount of ever blessing. Tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing. Call for songs of louder praise. Teach me some melodious sonnet sung by the flaming tongues above. Praise the mouth, the mount of, oh, fix me on it. Mount of God, unchanging love. Here I find my greatest treasure. Hither by thy help I've come. And I hope by thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home. Jesus sought me when a stranger, when a ring from the fold of God, he to rescue me from danger interposed his precious blood. Okay, so, all right, not the best, but. Uh, it's a start. So let's move on from there. Here, okay, the first reading, uh, this is for morning prayer. Uh, Psalm 1. My root is spread out to the water. 
the dew rests by night on my branches. This is from the book of Job, chapter 29, verse 19. It's a little quote here. Uh, Jewish and Christian tradition of spirituality speak of the word of God as the living water, whereby the spirit is cleansed and refreshed. A quick sip, an occasional prayer, snatched from the jaws of relentless busy world, is better than no water at all, but roots that that grow deep draw the water of life by frequently by frequent prayer. This living water produces a healthy tree that gives fruit to all who come. Okay? Let's remember that. So prayer is the water of God. It refreshes the soul of the individual. It strengthens you. It clears your mind. It makes you see things differently than others. It also shows you what's important, who you're dependent on, not on the material world, not on the the material things of the world, uh, not on the flesh, not on matter. Although your your physical life is important your uh everything the, the the world of matter is important but it should not be constantly in conflict it shouldn't be at war you shouldn't be loving one and despising the other both should be looked upon as a gift from god apart from god everything else will become perverted everything else will become perverted and that's where the danger is. Okay, let's uh, let's start Psalm one in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Happy, indeed, is the man who follows not the counsel of the wicked, nor sits in the way of sinners, uh, nor sits in the company of scorners. But those who, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who ponders his laws day and night. Okay, one more time. Happy indeed is the man who follows not the counsel of the wicked, nor sits in the way of sinners, nor sits in the company of scorners, but whose delight is the law of the Lord, and who ponders his law day and night. He is like a tree that is planted beside flowing waters that yields its fruit in due season, <clears throat> whose leaves shall never fade, and all that he does shall prosper. Not so are the wicked, not so. For they are like the winnowed shaft, which shall be driven away by the wind. When the wicked are judged, they shall not stand, nor find room among those who are just for the Lord guards the way of the just but the way of the wicked leads to doom glory to the Father Son and Holy Spirit as it was is now and ever will be world without end amen so as you can see this psalm is about two ways of life okay happy can also be translated as blessed. 
Happy indeed is the man who follows not the counsel of the wicked, nor sits in the way of sinners, nor sits in the company of scorners. So, right there, the very first psalm, Psalm 1. Okay. Blessed is the man, or happy indeed, is the man who follows not the counsel of the wicked, nor sits in the way of scorners, nor sits in the company of, of, of uh, company, you know, of sinners and scorners, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and and only that you he he ponders his law day and night, ponders, meditates, contemplates reflects on it, reflects on the ways of God. Now, this can be translated also as an individual. You're right. But for the sake of historical cultural context, you know, yes, Jewish women didn't go to synagogue like young men did, but still, it doesn't mean they couldn't study it. Actually, it would study it at home or listen listen to what the men are discussing and yes they too can learn they they are themselves benefit from drinking the word of god we're just talking about a, a different historical cultural context and doesn't mean the bible has to be canceled doesn't mean psalm 1 has to be canceled no it's just the way it was that's just the way it was at, at the time um and yet in jewish culture very extreme uh serious uh, orthodox culture like Hasidim they still do it young men are still the ones going off to seminary and yes in the Catholic Church young men are the ones going off to seminary but it doesn't mean the women can't trust or test the word of God study it, ponder it everyone should, even a lay person should, even the, le even the least uneducated person has a right to become a saint. But let's face it. I mean right now. We have it all to ourselves. And God is speaking to us. He's speaking to us right now. He's speaking to you right now. Regardless of the lack. Of holiness in the individual. God can still work his miracles. Alright. Let's move on to. Um, here. Here. We have a small passing of scripture. This is from the book of Revelation, chapter 22, verse 1 to 2, uh, also known as the Apocalypse. Then the angel showed me the river of life, giving water, sprinkling like uh, sparkling like crystal. I'll start over again. Then the angel showed me the river of life, giving water, sparkling like crystal. Uh, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb down in the middle of its streets on the other side of the river grew the tree of life that produces fruit With 12 times a year once each month the leaves have the, the, of, of the tree serve as medicine for the nation and a little quote down here the one whose hope is in the Lord is like a tree planted beside the water that stretches out its roots 
to the uh, to the stream. This is from Jeremiah chapter seventeen, verse seven and eight. So let me read that passage from the book of Revelation one more time, chapter twenty-two, verse one to two. When the angel showed me the river of life, giving water, sparkling like crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of its street, on each either side of the river grew the trees of life, the tree of life that produces fruit twelve times a year. Once each month, the leaves of the tree serve as medicine for the nations. So this little passage here from um, the book of Revelation uh, is definitely um, put side by side with Psalm 1. Psalm 1, uh, like I said, does point to the two ways of life. And it does describe uh, the individual uh, living as, as bearing fruit. And the fruit is the word of God. The word of God in our life. But the life-giving water is the word of God. Okay, God is a, God is God's word is described like a stream. God's word is described as uh, you know a stream of water, a well of water, and that's important because we need to have this constantly in our life as Christians, even in, even for Jews as well. But in this case, we're going to talk about Christianity, which is born out of Judaism. In a sense, we are Jews. Christ was a Jew. Christ is a Jew. His mother Mary is Jewish. Saint Joseph was Jewish. The prophets of the Old Testament were Jewish. So were all the apostles, uh, you know, and early disciples of Jesus. They were all Jews. And what defined them is their relationship with God, the relationship with the God of Israel. You know, you, it, it, it's very clear that. You can't understand Jesus without understanding the Old Testament. You can't understand what the what the meaning of Messiah is if you don't have the Old Testament, if you don't have the prophets, you don't have the Psalms, you don't have all the revelations, you don't have basically the context of Judaism. And, and this is, I'm telling you right now, this is coming from someone who's a convert from Islam. Because in the Quran, and I'm, I'm only going to make a short reference here to it, it talks about the Torah. It talks about the prophets. It talks about the covenant. It talks about even, it makes mention to the Psalms. It even makes mention to the, to the New Testament, call it the Angel. But guess what? You won't find one quote of the Bible. You won't find just not just the book of the Bible. You won't even find the book of Psalms. You won't even find a quote from the God, from the Gospel of John, there's uh, references to a heretical gospel. There's allusions of the covenant of God and the prophets, but you won't find a, a single book or references to a book from the Old or New Testament in the Quran. Period. 
So now that we got that clear, let's move back to what we're saying here in um, in the book of uh, the book of Psalms, Psalm one, and the book of Revelation. You need the Word of God. You need prayer, and you need the Word of God in your life. You need to meditate on the Scriptures. You need to live by it. You cannot be a Christian if you're not, if you don't let the Word of God reflect in your life. You need it. You can't be a Christian if you don't. Just like you need the sacraments, frequency of the sacraments, if you can go to Mass every day, or if not once a week, but still, the, the, the sacraments of Christ can come to us through sacramental tool, tools like the rosary or meditating on the life of a saint, taking time out to be familiar with him, not neglecting the word of God, not ne like neglecting God in your life. God wants to be part of our lives. He wants to water uh, our souls. He wants to, he wants to, to do this. And we should, we should allow him to do this. We should surrender ourselves completely and totally to him. All right, let's move on from there. All right, so this is from the Liturgy of the Hours. They give you like a little mini Liturgy of the Hours, but it works. This is the Tadeum. It's usually set on Sundays and particular feast days. So let's start in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You are God, we praise you. You are the Lord, we acclaim you. You are the eternal Father, all creation worships you. To you, all angels, all the powers of heaven, cherubim and seraphim, sing an endless praise. Holy, 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 Lord God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. The glorious company of apostles praise you. The noble fellowship of prophets praise you. The white-robed army of martyrs praise you. Throughout the world, the Holy Church acclaims you. Father of majesty, unabounded, your true and only Son, worthy of all worship, and the Holy Spirit, advocate and guide. You are Christ. You, Christ, are the King of glory, the eternal Son of the Father. When you became man to set us free, you did not spurn the virgin's womb. You overcome the sting of death and open the kingdom of heaven to all believers. You are seated at the right hand of the Father. We believe that you will come and be our judge. Come, Lord, and help your people, bought with the, with the, the price of your own blood, and bring us with your saints to glory everlasting. Amen. All right, we got that one uh, done. Now we say the um, prayer of Zechariah, uh, also known as the Benedictus. This is from Luke chapter 1, verse 68 to 79, the Messiah and the forerunner. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel. He has come to his people and set them free. He has raised up, raised up for us a mighty Savior, born in the house of his servant David. Through his holy prophecy, he promised of old that he would save us from our enemies, from the hands of all who hate us. He promised to show mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. This was the oath he swore to our father Abraham to set us free from the hands of our enemies, free to worship him without 
without fear, holy and righteous in his sight all the days of our life. You, my child, shall be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his way, to give, uh, to give this to give his people knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us to shine on those who dwell in darkness and the shadow of death and, and to guide our feet into the way of peace. Glory to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Okay, now we move on to the next. Okay. Okay. Entrance antiphon. This is now the readings from Mass, uh, Psalm twenty-five, and it's also to give you a variation. So I'll, I'll read the first entrance antiphon. Optional one, Psalm twenty-five. My eyes are always on the Lord, for He rescues my feet from the snare. Turn to me and have mercy on me, for I am alone and poor. Mm -hmm. And then the other one is from Ezekiel chapter 36. When I prove my holiness among you, I will gather you from all the foreign lands and I will pour clean water upon you and cleanse you from all your impurities. And I will give you a new spirit, says the Lord. Okay. All right. Let's begin. All right, this is, all right, this is a, a reading from the book of Exodus, chapter 17, verse 3 and 7. In those days, in their thirst for water, the people grumbled against Moses, saying, Why did you ever make us leave Egypt? Was it just to have us die here of thirst with our children and our livestock? So Moses cried out to the Lord, What shall I do with this people? A little more, and they will stone me. The Lord answered Moses, Go over there in front of the people, along with some of the elders of Israel, holding in your hand as you go the staff with which you struck the river. I will be standing there in front of you, on the rock in Horab. Strike the, um, strike the rock, and the water will flow from it for the people to drink. This Moses did in the presence of the elders of Israel. The place was called Massa and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled there and tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord in our midst or not? The word of the Lord. Okay, one more time. Exodus chapter 17, verse 3 and 7. In those days... In their thirst for water, the people grumbled against Moses, saying, Why did you ever make us leave Egypt? Was it just to have us die here of thirst with our children and our livestock? So Moses cried out to the Lord, What shall I do with this people? A little more, and they will stone me. The Lord answered Moses, Go over there in front of the, the people, along with some of the elders of Israel, holding in your hand as you go the staff which, with which you struck the rivers. I will be standing there in front of you on the rock of Horeb. Strike the rock and the water will flow from it 
for the people to drink. This Moses did in the presence of the elders of Israel. The place was called Massa and Meribah because of the because the Israelites quarreled there and tested the Lord, saying, Is is the Lord in our midst or not? The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now this is Psalm 95, and it's usually said every morning during uh, morning prayer. Um, like, uh, usually... It's usually, you know, it's usually said during morning prayer because it's a memorial of what happened with the Israelites. And it's a reminder uh, not to put God to the test, not to doubt God's presence in our lives. All right, let's begin. Psalm 95 and the response is, if today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Come, let us sing joyful to the uh, sing joyfully to the Lord. Let us acclaim the rock of our salvation. Sorry, here the pages are so thin. Let us come into His presence with thanksgiving. Let us joyfully sing to the Lord. If today you hear His voice, harden not your hearts. If today you hear His voice, harden not your hearts. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord who made us, for he is our God, and we are his people. Okay, the flock he shepherds. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Oh, that today you would hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as at Meribah, as in the days of Massa in the desert, where your fathers tempted me, and they tested me though they have seen my works. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. All right, I'll do it one more time because it's a very short, it's not, I don't think it's all of it. Come, let us sing joyfully to the Lord. Let us acclaim the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us joyfully sing psalms to him. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord who made us. For he is our God, we are his people. The flock he shepherds. If today, if today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Oh, that today you would hear his voice. Harden not your hearts as at Meribah, as in the days of mass in the desert, where your fathers tempted me, they tested me, though they have seen all of my works. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. All right, Paul's letter to the Romans. Uh, St. Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 5, verse 1 to 2, 5 to 8. For the love of God has been poured into our, into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. Brothers and sisters, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith to this grace in which we stand, and we boast in hope of the glory of God. And hope does not disappoint, 
because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For Christ, while we were still helpless, died at the appointed time for the ungodly. Indeed, only with difficulty does one die for a just person, though perhaps for a good person one might even find courage to die. But God proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So what we got here, uh, the first part is with Exodus. The people of Israel um, were grumbling because of lack of water. They're in the desert. And well, yeah, you need water. You definitely need water. But there's more to it. Uh, There's more to this, really. And not too long ago, Dr. Jordan Peterson with a couple of um, uh, he's joined the Daily Wire and uh, he's also doing a Bible Q&A with some scholars. And it's more, you know, some of them are theologians, but they're approaching it a very interesting way. Peterson's approach is definitely from a, a philosopher as well as a psychiatrist is that something which I think is caught was caught by the great church fathers. Now, we know that s- slavery is a historical fact, but a lot of people only pay to the victimization of slavery on a materialistic level. Oh, you exploited them, you you used forced labor, you got rich off their their forced labor, and that's true. That is absolutely true. But from a spiritual perspective, from a theological perspective, from the perspective of faith, there's more to slavery than just materialistic. There's, yes, there's a psychological, there's obviously the materialistic, the economic exploitation of, 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 of another person's labor. But people miss one important thing. Slavery is a form of idolatry on a satanic level, on a materialistically satanic level, because Satanism always focuses on the materialistic. And the idea behind it is that you, you what you're doing is you are violating the image of God of that person. You're denying that that person is made in the image and likeness of God. So therefore, you are also uh, violating, in a way, the first commandment is one to destroy the image of God of that person and replace the image of God with a form of idolatry. And what is that idolatry? Dependence. Dependence on on, on a power, on a materialistic power who will feed you, take care of you, and at the same time, you want them to worship you. I think there's a name for that. It's called the welfare state. Okay, this is something that is very much, I think, I believe personally is connected to Marxism. 
because Mar- because even I, I I truly even look at let's say um the social justice warriors the advocates that I believe they're guilty of that because I believe because many of them have gotten rich by being advocates it's it's really just another uh uh, a, a very sneaky form of management, basically, of a of a, a someone within the uh, within that system that it, that is there to play both sides of the game. Basically, it's like a, it's like it's 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 the powers to be on stealth mode, on, you know, on a very stealth mode, basically level, and they're and they're and you're, they're there to to basically lie. And, and butter you up and and maybe slowly get you to agree to something that you don't realize you don't want. And basically, it's like a salesman, basically, like a car salesman. Someone who basically sells you, their job is to sell you something you don't want and they, and, you, and you don't realize you did buy it already. And so that's what it is. So basically, it's, it's really, in many ways, it's to destroy the individual dependence on God because to believe in God means independence from materialistic things, from the worldly things. That's what it's properly supposed to do. You know, not to basically live off your neighbor, not basically to live off your fellow man, to exploit them. And that's what it is. And Paul, um, I mean, we see this in Psalm 95, and Paul here is basically telling us about the since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith to this grace in which we stand and we boast in hope of the glory of God. The grace is the life of God. The grace is the life of God. The whole purpose of the Christian life is to reflect the image of God in your life. And that means breaking away with all negative stereotypes, all negative things that hold you, that get in the way. All right, you can't worship God. You cannot believe and love God. You cannot have a, um, have that Christian life if you have things that hold you down, that are weighing you down that get in the way. Remember every little thing that happened here. Basically there's power. People love their power. There's also the the love of money and wealth. The rich young man who comes over and says, good teacher, how may I, how am I achieve eternal life? Why do you call me good? But God alone is good. This is a form of, of sin basically. And then Jesus looked at him and realized this, this young man has the capacity, but unfortunately, it's his wealth that's getting in the way. It's his wealth, his his love for money and power. He's he's dependent on on securing things in this world. Basically, that's what idolatry is. You're 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 waiting. You know, you want the materialistic world, and then now you realize I don't want this um, this book this that this man is uh, trying to get me to buy, but most of all, it's the message. 
The message is grace, grace and freedom in Christ, breaking away from a world. And in Christ, we get, we get that image, the image and likeness of God the Father through the Son. And we get this through depending on him. He's the living water. He's the water we need. All you need is him. And their problem is they don't just want water. They want to go back to their, to their pagan way of life. They want to go back to the idolatry. Like a drug addict returning to drugs. Like an alcoholic returning to alcohol. Like someone who returns back to something he's familiar with and he already loves. It's his, it's his sin. That's the whole purpose of it. And that's what we're going to learn here now in the next one with the um, the uh, Samaritan woman. The verse before the gospel. Lord, you are truly the savior of the world. Give me living water that I may never thirst again. The water that I shall give will become a spring of eternal life. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. John, chapter 4, verse 5 to 42. Jesus came to a town of Samaria called Sakar, near the plot of land that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Jesus, tired from his journey, sat down there at the well. It was about noon. Now a woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How can you, a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? for Jews have used nothing in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who was saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you do not even have a bucket, and the cistern is deep. Where then can you get this living water? Are you greater then our father Jacob, who gave us this cistern and drank from it himself with his children and his flock? Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I shall give will never thirst again. The water I shall give will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may not be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Call your husband and come back. The woman answered and said to him, I do not have a husband. Jesus answered her, you are right in saying, I do not have a husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, 
But you people say that the place to worship is Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Believe me, woman, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You people worship what you do not understand. We worship what we understand because salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit in spirit and truth. And indeed, the Father seeks such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, the one called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us everything. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking with you. At that moment, his disciples returned and were amazed that he was talking with a woman. But still no one said, what are you looking for? Or why are you talking with her? The woman left her water jar and went into town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I have done. Could he possibly be the Christ? They went out of the town and came to him. Meanwhile, the disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. So the disciples said to one another, Could someone have brought him something to eat? And Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of the one who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say in four months the harvest will be here? I tell you, look up and see the fields ripe for the harvest. The reaper is already receiving payment and gathering crops for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper can rejoice together. For here the saying is verified. One sows, another reaps. <clears throat> I say to you, to reap what you I, I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the work and you are sharing the fruits of their labor. Many of the Samaritans of that town began to believe in him because of the word of the woman who testified, he told me everything I have done. When the Samaritans came, they invited him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. M many more began to believe in him because of his word, and they said uh, to the woman, we no longer believe because of your word, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this, that this is truly the Savior of the world, the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, so now we're going to look into Lessio Divina. This is a prayerful reading, and it's going to focus on the Gospel of John. Uh, chapter 4, verse 5 to 42. It's not going to do all the verses, but... Um, I'm going to read you the commentary, all right? And um, you can actually um, use this uh, as a method for Lessio Divina. This is an example of how to do it, okay? Uh, all right, let's begin in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Lessio Divina, a prayerful reading of sacred scripture, the gospel for the third Sunday of Lent, gospel of St. John, chapter 4, verse 5 to 42. Okay. 
Jesus came to a town of Samaria called Sakar. Jacob's well was there. Jesus, tired from his journey, sat down there at the well. It was about noon. I'm going to read it one more time. Jesus came to a town of Samaria called Sakar. Jacob's well was there. Jesus, tired from his journey, sat down there at the well. It was about noon. Samaria exemplifies an incomplete Jewish identity, contaminated by other religious practices and cultures. Consequently, the Samaritans rejected the centrality of the temple and Jerusalem. That Jesus is in this region, therefore, reveals that he goes in search of the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Matthew chapter 10, verse 6, and that in him salvation extends to all the nations. Matthew 28, verse 19, consider also that Jesus, who as a divine person knew everything, John chapter 21, verse, 7, uh, verse 17, knew this meeting would take place. He willingly embraced the exhaustion of, and thirst for the sake of saving the soul of the woman at the well. Does this not also foretell his passion? No one takes my life from me, but I lay it down my own. John chapter 10 verse 18. It was our pain that he, uh, that he bore, our suffering he endured. He was pierced for our sins, crushed for our iniquities. He bore the punishment that makes us whole. By his wounds, we were, we were healed. Isaiah 53, verse 4 and 5. For our sake he made him to be sin who did not know sin, so that he, we might become the righteousness of God in him. Um, 2 Corinthians, okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 5 to 21. It was about noon, the eighth day, the, uh, the height of the sun. It was about noon, the height of the sun is shining brightly. There's nowhere to hide. It is the same hour Christ will be on the cross, exposed and scorned for the sake of sinful man who sought to hide. Genesis chapter 3, verse 10. Yet it is Christ who will, who will promise when I am lifted up, from the earth, I will draw everyone to myself. John chapter 12, verse 32. It is the same hour Christ will tell the repentant thief, today you will be with me in paradise. Luke chapter 23, verse 43 to 44. Christ's meeting of the Samaritan woman early in the gospel prophesizes his final hour when blood and water will gush from his side. The well of grace that it arrogates the church and slakes our thirsts. All right, let me make a little correction. Um, for our sake, he made him to be sin who did not know sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. I, for some reason, said chapter 2, verse uh, chapter 2, verse 5, 
verse 21. I stumbled over that one. All right, so um, let me go back a little bit so I can... Uh, all right, correction here. It was about noon, the height of the day. The sun is shining brightly. There is nowhere to hide. It is the same hour Christ will be on the cross, exposed, scorned, for the sake of sinful man who sought to hide. Genesis chapter 3, verse 10, he's making reference to Adam and Eve who hid uh, from God after taking the forbidden fruit. Yet it is Christ who, who will promise, when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw everyone to myself. Uh, Gospel of St. John, chapter 12, verse 32. It is the same hour Christ will tell the repented thief, Today you will be with me in paradise. Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 23, verse 43 to 44. Chapter 23, verse 43 to 44. Gospel of St. Luke. Christ's meeting of the Samaritan woman early in the Gospel prophesies his final hour when blood and water will gush from his side, the well of grace that irrigates the church and slakes our thirst. So, in other words, there's a play on here. It's actually um, a reenactment. I mean, who knows? Maybe even ha happened on a Friday, right? He spent two days with them, so... It would make sense, right? He meets her, uh, let's pretend, on a Friday. And it's going to be the Sabbath, right? Soon in a couple of hours. And here they're, they're standing over a well, right? Over the well of water. And this is supposed to be Jacob's well. It's fantastic when you think about it. The, this is the, the the text makes it quite clear. The Samaritans are looked upon as uh, outsiders or heretics, apostates, because they they're uh, mixed uh, Syrian, uh, Babylonian, I guess you can say, with Jewish from the time of the Babylonian exile. And they were never accepted. But Jesus sees them as members of the house of Israel, the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He goes to them. He doesn't see them that way. He, he, he knows that they are misguided. Their religion is misguided. But he still goes to them. He he wants to preach the gospel to them. Samaria will play a big role in the ministry of the apostles. To this day, there are um, Samaritan Israelites. To this day. And to this day, there are Palestinian uh, Christians. And they trace their ancestry back to the first generation, some of them trace their ancestry back to the Samaritans. Some of them trace their ancestry back to, to the converts of Jews. And this is important. He 
comes to her. Here's a woman who has looked for love in all the wrong places. And why? Why does he come to her? Why does he have to to confront her about her past? Because she thinks that she will find salvation in the arms of another man, in a, a man. She thinks that her, her, her salvation is finding love in the arms of a, of a man. There's nothing wrong with that. But the problem is, is like for many of us, men and women who are addicted to lust, addicted to, to relationships, we're addicted to, we want, we want this perfect love. We want this perfect relationship. We have this dream. We're addicted to the flesh. We'll never be happy. They will no another person will not make us happy. We're going to be unsatisfied. We're never going to be satisfied in the arms of a man or a woman. Sex is never going to satisfy our need. There's always going to be something missing. It never lasts forever anyway, right? Sooner or later. The honeymoon is over. Sooner or later, the romance is over. Sooner or later, we're just going to be staring at each other and we're wondering what happened, what went, what went wrong. True happiness, true completeness is in Him, in God, in Jesus Christ. That's what He wants her to know. Right? There's nothing wrong with marriage, nothing wrong with love, nothing wrong with sex as long as it's within marriage. But in a world in a world like the way we live, you know, it's just we just it's it's falling on dull ears. Dull minds, dull reason, a dull intellect. And sometimes you tell it to these people and they're like completely horrified. But let's be honest, people are not happy. The hookup culture and men and women just don't seem to be satisfied because we're made for worship. We're made for a relationship with God. We will never understand who we are. No one of, none of us will ever understand who we truly are till we find peace in him, till we find our completeness in him. Every one of us will find our completeness, our true manhood, our true womanhood, our true masculinity, our true femininity in him. In him, we will find our true completeness as a person. Our purpose and destiny as a human being is in him. Never, we won't find it anywhere else in career, money, none of it, art, Right? Fame. None of it will, will make us happy. We always want more. We're always looking for more. And we're always finding out that we're not happy. All right, let's move on. All right. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. 
His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How can you, a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who was saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The venerable Fulton Sheen often said that whenever our Lord wants to bestow a great favor, he first asks for one. By humbling himself and asking for a drink, the Lord removes the distance and fear that would have otherwise kept the woman from speaking with him. Jesus thirsts to slake our first, our thirst. He desires to satisfy the desire of her heart for love, for meaning, for salvation. This conversation foretells his cry of, I thirst on the cross, when through his bodily thirsts he expresses his desire for souls. He meant all thirst. Cyril Hauslander wrote, his body was dried up with a terrible thirst that comes from loss of blood, and his soul thirsted for the people he was, he was bleeding for, and his heart thirsted for the compassion of his own people. Similarly, similarly, St. Lawrence Justinian said, His thirst arose from the odor of his love, from the depths and abundance of his charity. He was thirsting for us, thirsting to give himself to us and suffer for us. Mother Teresa of Calcutta's Missionaries of Charity have the words, I thirst, prominently displayed in their chapels. We, will, we do all that we can do, the saint of Calcutta said, just to make God forget the ingratitude of man in return for his boundless love and to make him remember his mercies. He hangs before us on the cross, crying out, I thirst. It is to quench the thirst of this divine Lord that the missionary of charity do, do all. The missionary of charity do all seems madness to the world. We are truly blessed in having a little share in the following in, in the following of the cross. So he, his thirst is for souls. He could have drawn water himself, right? It wasn't impossible for him to get up and put the bucket down and, or skin, whatever it, it was tied to and draw water. He could have done it. He didn't have to wait for her to draw water. He was sitting there. He could have done it. And that was possible. But no, he sat there and he waited for her. He waited for her to come. She was drawing water. She was by herself. It was high noon. It was the hottest time of the day. The women usually come early in the morning or come later in the evening when it's cooler, right? When the sun is about to go down, it's much more cooler. There's more of a breeze. And she, you know, she could have done that, but she's doing this because she had to avoid the other women. 
because she was looked on as unrespectable, as immoral, as indecent, because she, because of her past, because of her, her choice, because of her breakup in marriages, she didn't, she has not found the perfect man. She hasn't found the perfect happiness. She is, um, she's not satisfied. You know, she's probably been, uh, you know, in some violent relationships and she probably, you know, who knows, like as the way they showed it in the chosen. And that's a possibility because we know that's a possibility in that culture. Uh, women don't have rights. They don't make choices that, uh, they usually make the choices of marriage as made by the family, by the father or the older brother, depending who's in charge. And she wasn't satisfied. And if she was, it was probably her, the man that she loved probably died. The one that made her happy. And the next man after that probably wound up, you know, wound up ugly, wound up badly. But she, here he is. He was waiting for her. He sent the apostles away. He didn't want them to be around to make her uncomfortable. He sparked a conversation. She's a, uh, she's not afraid to talk. She's not afraid to debate. She's not afraid to argue. She's quite a hardy person when you think about it, meaning that she's, she's bold. She's, um, she can be, you know, open to, to, to talk if she wants to be, if she trusts you. And she did. And it ended up well for her because she was talking to God, to the Messiah, to the Christ. All right, let's continue. <clears throat> okay. All right, here we go. Jesus said to her, Go, go call your husband and come back. The woman answered and said to him, I do not have a husband. Jesus answered her, You are right in saying, in saying, I do not have a husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. The woman said to him, Sir, I can see that you are a prophet. I know that the Messiah is coming, the one called the anointed. When he comes, he will tell us everything. Jesus said to her, I am he. Imagine that. <clears throat> Imagine, I mean, I can picture it because, you know, I'm familiar with that culture. And it was probably, it probably just, took a while for it to sink in to to really hit home exactly what was being said to her let's look at the commentary here if there have been five husbands and another man besides then is not Jesus the seventh man 
This is interesting. If there had been five husbands and another man besides, then is not Jesus the seventh man? This is the number of perfection. Number seven is the number of perfection. Of rest. Recall that God rested from creation on the seventh day, asking that we keep it by consecrating it to him. Jesus stands before this woman, therefore as the an answer to all her striving, all her efforts to find peace and to be one with God. He stands before her as the only one who, who will satisfy her thirst for love, to whom she must consecrate herself and her affections. Jesus answers, I am he, recalls the Lord's revelation of his name to Moses. I am he, recalls the Lord's revelation of his name to Moses. Exodus chapter 3, verse 13 to 15. And Christ's answer to the guards on the Holy Thursday. Gospel of John chapter 18, verses 4 to 9. <clears throat> so she's had five. The man that she's with now is the sixth, but he's not her husband. Jesus comes in as the seventh. This is it. This is her answer to all her all her needs the answer to her for her hunger for love for her hunger to be complete she's going to find completeness and satisfaction in him she's going to find herself and be at rest and no more struggling to find anything more in this world in him she's going to be satisfied She'll be, she'll find who she is. She'll find her wholeness. In Christ, we all find who we are. We find our wholeness and our completeness if we just simply listen to him. Her thirst for, for, for life, her thirst for love, her thirst for completeness, right, is in him. She will have no other need. She, she will find no other need except in him. Everything will be in him. Okay. Okay, so. The woman left her water jar and went into the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I have done. Could he possibly be the Messiah? This woman, St. Thomas Aquinas explains, becomes an apostle. The entirety of her surrender to our Lord, her entirety, excuse me, her entirety of her surrender to our Lord is shown from the fact that she, le she left lying there what she had come to, to, to the well for, almost as if for, forgotten. Let's read this again. This woman... Okay, let's start again. The, the woman left her, her water jar and went to the town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me everything I have done. Could he possibly be the Messiah? This woman, St. Thomas Aquinas explains, became an apostle. The entirety of her surrender to our Lord is shown from the very fact that she left lying there what she had come to the well for, 
almost as if forgotten, the water and the water pot. Come, see. She invites them to look upon Christ. Aquinas continued, for she knew that if, if they tasted of the well, that is, if they looked upon our Lord, they too would feel all she had felt. And she follows the example of true preacher in that she attracts the people. She attracts the people to herself but to Christ. She attracts the people not to herself, but to Christ. How can we, how can we be apostles within the circumstances of our own vocation who invite others to come and see Jesus? This is fantastic. It's true. He does, he does the same thing what he did to, uh, he does, he does it the same thing what he will do to, to Mary Magdalene. Think about it. He spoke to a woman and in that culture, which is she's not looked on as socially acceptable. She's not looked on as, you know, her testimony would not be something that people would care about. Just like in the Jewish court, it takes um, one man equals two women. It's almost like in Islam, you know, their their testimony in court was not looked on as valuable was not looked on as reliable. But here, Jesus himself is doing it. The gospel begins with his mother. I mean, first of all, in actuality, look at the first thing what happened to Zechariah, John the Baptist's father. He didn't believe the angel. Right? Mary believed an angel. Right? Elizabeth most likely probably did receive a, uh, a visit from an angel because she seems to accept and understand everything and she, um, the Holy Spirit filled her, right? The minute she heard the sound of Mary's voice, she was a very receptive woman to the Holy Spirit, receptive woman to the word of God. Um, and then he, 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 um, appears to this woman, right? Jesus breaks rules. I mean, what about the woman with the issue of blood? And what about the Syrophoenician woman when uh, she came to him begging him because her daughter was possessed and Jesus rewards her because of her faith? You know, he, it, he does it. All right, let's continue. Many of the Samaritans of that town began to believe in him because of the word of the woman who, who testified. He told me everything I have done. When the Samaritans came to him, they invited him to stay with them. And he stayed for two days, two days, uh, a symbol of the second person of the Trinity, divine nature and human nature. Many more began to believe in him because of his word. And they said to the woman, we no longer believe because of your word, for we have heard for ourselves and we know that this is truly the savior of the world. The people began to recognize Jesus for who he really is, the savior. Later, after Christ has spoken his seven last words and has surrendered 
surround, uh, surrendered his spirit on the cross, the centurion will come to believe truly this man was the son of God. Gospel of St. Mark chapter 1539. He told me everything. We need never fear bringing our sins to the Lord for nothing shocks or surprises him. Additionally, Jesus speaks the full truth of God's love for us. I have called you friends because I have told you everything I have heard from my father. Gospel of St. John chapter 15, verse 15. In some, in today's gospel, Jesus is promising to, uh, to, assuage our, uh, to, to assuage our thirst, to bring us even now to a life-changing vision of the Father's face, looking on us with love and mercy. There we are set free from our illusion and fears and come to a confidence in the Father that no one can take from us. This is from um, Father Francis Martin. Lord Jesus, you thirst for, for us from our burdens. You thirst for us to receive your love. Open our hearts and fill them with the, with the living water. This is very beautiful. And, um, you know, you take your time, you, you read it. It really, there is no gimmick or formula it's just time and you ask the holy spirit to open your mind and your intellect and you use your your imagination you use your reasoning you ask yourself this question you know did he why did he have to wait for her to bring to bring to give him water he could have drawn the water himself right and he sent the apostles away because he wanted to encounter her alone. He didn't want to make her feel uncomfortable. And that's, that's the way our Lord is. He, he, he understands the need, our needs. He understands our needs. He understands not, you know, he doesn't want us to be under scrutiny. He, he doesn't want us to feel uncomfortable. And he knows like, like he says in the prayer, go into your closet and pray privately to your heavenly father in secret. And your heavenly father who hears and sees you in secret will answer your prayer. That's, that's beautiful. All right, let's close it up with an our father in the hail Mary and glory be. In the name of the father, son, Holy Spirit. Our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, now and forever. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Okay, God bless, folks.